Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey, this is Lisa. And I have a new guest with me here today. Uh, say hi to Ricardo Alvarez. Hey guys, Ricardo here. Uh, I'm excited. I, I've been I've been part of the page for quite some time now, and now I get to be on the podcast. So I'm very excited to talk about uh, what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, and before we introduce the movie, uh, did you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a huge movie buff. I've uh, been watching movies since I could remember. Uh, my mom kind of got me into them and then uh, work at the Alamo draft house now over in Richardson. So if you love movies, you should definitely come by. And then on Thursdays, I'm also part of the super cool nerd show live. We go live every Thursday at 8 PM. So come check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can just find us under SCNS live. Perfect. Well, awesome. I really appreciate you carving out some time to talk with me about this movie. It's actually one of my favorite movies too. What, uh, what movie are we discussing today? Well, with Halloween coming up very fast, less than 90 days, we are going to be talking about Interview with a Vampire, one of my all-time favorite horror and vampire movies. Um, so in regards to this movie, um, it came out in 1994. So did you see this one in theaters or did you see it I on was, DVD? Or how, how did I was you actually watch? four when the movie came out. So, <laughs> so probably, so not, probably in not in theaters. No, I did see it though, probably by the time I was like six or seven uh my mom kind of let me watch like a little like she would kind of warn me beforehand the movie might be a little scary like i saw silence of lambs when i was like seven or eight also so oh my gosh yeah, no, my mom was like, you know, <laughs> she let me watch these movies uh just she's like you're not allowed to get scared and if you do just let me know we can turn it off but no uh this movie was four when i was i was four when this movie came out so no i did not see this in theaters and actually, I did not know it was a book until probably 2006, 2007, when a friend of mine mentioned it to me. Because I just, I just saw the movie, thought it was great, but I didn't read the beginning uh, credits where it says, based on the novel by Anne Rice. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's a book. I need to go find this book. And then it's a series of books. So I'm like, oh, there's a whole lot more to it than just this one movie. So I was very, very happy about that. Yeah, I think my story is uh, pretty similar to yours. I did not see it in theaters. I think I would have probably been too young to see it at the time, but because I think I was probably like 10. But uh, my father is actually a big Anne Rice fan randomly. Ooh. And so he really loves this movie. And so he told me to watch it. And he's he had read the books too. And so I went ahead and gave it a shot and absolutely loved it. Ended up reading a lot of her books, including um, this one. Uh, and really really enjoyed it um i think i think the series is really good and 
and yeah, so and the movie's awesome. I think perfect casting. I, we'll get into all that, but I I really enjoy it. Oh yeah, def- definitely. Like I I read I read through the first three books. Uh, interview with the vampire, the vampire, li- <laughs> <laughs> the vampire Lestat, and then Queen of the Damned. Uh, and then like yes. I vampired myself out. Uh, and, right. and I'm like, oh, I need to go back and finish the other three because there's three more books after that: the Vampire Armand. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Devil, and then there is uh, the Tell the Body Thief, uh, which are all part of mm. the Vampire Chronicle series. But I never actually got to finish those because I vampired myself out, and here we are, ten years later, and I still haven't finished it. But <laughs> but hopefully one day I will. You know, I'm I'm been going through a good book binge phase right now, so I probably put those on oh, my great. list. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm the same as you. I made it about through three of those books, I the same ones you read, and really enjoyed them a lot, but didn't proceed further than that. Um, so in this part of the show, typically I read the synopsis of the movie. So I'm going to read that really quick okay. here, and then we'll jump into some quick facts. Okay. Born as an 18th century lord, Louis, played by Brad Pitt, is now a bicentennial vampire telling his story to an eager biographer, Christian Slater. Suicidal after the death of his family, he meets Lestat, Tom Cruise, a vampire who persuades him to choose immortality over death and become his companion. Eventually, gentle Louis resolves to leave his violent maker, but Lestat guilts him into staying by turning a young girl, Kirsten Dunst, whose addition to the family breeds more conflict. I like that one. That's a pretty good synopsis. Uh, uh, Got that off of IMDb. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I was like looking at it. I'm like, oh, it's IMDb. Yes, I do like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you know when they're short like that, they can be kind of. But this one, this one, I think it nailed it. Uh, the heart of the movie, yeah. at least. Um, let me jump into a couple quick facts, and if you have some too, or just thoughts on them, uh, feel free to jump okay. in as well. Um, I got here. Anne Rice wrote Lestat in 1976 novel with Rutger Hauer in mind. The rights to the novel were optioned by Paramount for $150,000 before the book was published, and John Travolta was earmarked to play Lestat. But a, um, but a glut of vampire films at the time, Dracula, Nosferatu, Vampire, Love of First Bite, put the project on hiatus. By the time the film was in pre-production, Howard and Travolta were too old to play the ever-young vampire. Upon learning Tom Cruise had been cast, Rice was livid, and she stated that he could not carry the part, and the casting was bizarre and hard to imagine. But then she actually later recanted that when she saw his performance. Have you heard that before? Uh, so yeah, no, I did hear that uh, Anne Rice was very upset about Tom Cruise uh, being casted as a stat. You know, she was going batshit crazy about because uh, she did not see him as Lestat. She was not a fan of it at all. And actually, other than writing the original screenplay, which was later edited by Neil Jordan, who was a director, uh, she had no, she had no, she didn't work on the film at all. Like she wasn't on mm. set. She wasn't part of the production. She was not, she didn't do anything of it. And after she had seen the movie, she actually took out an ad on the New York Times, I believe it was, uh, praising yep, and, and Vanity yeah, Fair, and Vanity yeah. Fair, praising Tom Cruise's performance, and and actually called him and apologized, say, "Hey, I'm sorry, you were what I wanted less that to be. You actually did what I could not see." So, uh, so yeah, yeah. No, she was very upset, but one very quickly changed her mind after seeing Tom Cruise's performance. Yeah, she called it a masterpiece. Yeah, she did. She did. And I, you know, it is. It, this movie is very much a masterpiece because it, it very much I agree. is very true to the book. Well, it's not a direct, like, 
like any movie, you know, you cannot make a, you know, four or 500 page book into a you know, two hour movie sure. or whatever. Uh, it's very, very close to the original story, which I was very, very happy about. Uh, did you know that Christian Slater was actually not the first choice uh, for Malloy? I did read that. Yeah, Phoenix was the original cast for Malloy, wow. but unfortunately he passed away. Uh, I believe it was yeah. days before production started, uh, but Slater did donate his quarter of a million dollar salary to two of River Phoenix's favorite charities. So, that, oh, that's good. Some, some good came out of it. You know, yes, we did lose a great actor, but and we replaced him. We did, but yeah. we did replace him with a you know an another great actor, but he didn't you know donate his money for it. So, and I thought Christian Slater did a great job at, uh, as the the interview. And you know the interview, or there we go. Uh, for that <laughs> no worries yeah no you said some of the facts that I had as well so 100% with you there um, the only other quick thing I had was you know in the book the reason why Louis becomes depressed in the beginning of the movie is because of the death of his brother and in the book he didn't even have a wife but I think that was a nice touch in the in the movie I think when you don't have as long to get to know a character the way you do in a book sometimes you really have to make their motivations really strong and connect quickly and i think everyone can kind of understand that and it, it plays really well later with uh with his pseudo yeah, daughter no, definitely so, i like that a lot yeah. better in the movie just because you know in the book it, it, it's his brother that dies and spoiler yeah uh, some 40 something years <laughs> later <laughs> but yeah uh, no it was his brother that you know he that ends up dying and people blame louie for it and but that doesn't really translate over to a movie, maybe a TV show. You can, you know, do that over several episodes, but in a two hour movie, it's like, boom, this is why he's depressed. His, his family's died. So that's, it's just a lot easier to kind of, I think, connect with than a brother I agree. being blamed and this and that. So uh, I was very, very happy totally. about that change on it. Mm -hmm. I also had that um, this would go on to be the highest grossing vampire movie for over a decade and was the highest grossing R-rated vampire movie of all time. Yeah, I believe it. I, uh, yeah. The, excuse me. I think the only other – when did Dracula – Bram Stoker's Dracula come out? That was – Let me see. That's another one of my favorite movies. Let's see here. 1992. Okay, yeah, 92, yeah. So actually before. 92, yeah. So – Yeah. That probably was the top slot right before it, I would 215 think. 215 million. And then interview did 200 and. Oh, wait, I can't find it. What is it? Special box office. Okay, yeah. So Bram Stoker's Dracula, which came out two years before with Gary Oldman as Count Dracula, uh, did 200. Yes. 200 so and. 215 million on a $40 budget. And then Interview wow. did 224 million with an estimated estimated budget of 60 million. So, it, you know, I have, go yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I have to think that even though some people may have like not been as interested in the project or turn it down because there were too many vampires, that may have actually helped the sales of this yeah movie, i mean you, you don't want to have too many high price actors because then everything just inflates and while it, it might have made more money <laughs> uh you know with a higher budget does it really make more money so yeah but true no. true hey it held yeah, the top, it still spot. Holds the top <laughs> spot i mean uh i'm probably it's probably crazy. the highest grossing vampire movies right now are the twilight films which is exactly <sighs> exactly but um <laughs> but yeah no for a rated r movie you know i'm very glad this still holds a top spot 
and um yeah and yeah. it's definitely like you know it, it's kind of like a rite of passage you want to love vampires you gotta watch Bram Stoker's Dracula you have to watch the original Dracula with Bega Lugosi and it's yeah that's right right Bela Lugosi was the Bela Lugosi, Bela Lugosi yeah. I think and also yeah. <laughs> interview with the vampire because these are like the vampire movies like of of all time like these are the best ones to they really to are really get that real vampire feel for it mm-hmm no, I completely agree. This is one you don't want to miss. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the director. We mentioned him already, Neil Jordan. Like you, I had not, I did not know. We were talking before we started recording that we didn't really know who directed this one. Like when we were watching, and didn't know until I started uh, doing my research. The only thing that really stood out to me in his credits that that I'm familiar with is the Crying Game which I think that's kind of interesting that he directed that one and this movie. But uh, did you have any thoughts about, about the director uh, on this one? Not really, just because it's also the crying game. And the only other one that I saw that uh, caught my eye was the Borgias. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a, it was a TV show that was on, what was it on? Oh crap. I can't find it. It was on Showtime and it was based on, the Borgia family from the 16th century uh, with Jeremy Irons as Pope Alexander oh, the okay. sixth. Uh, so he had oh, wow. a part okay. of that. And then also he's a, he's a fiction writer as well. He does, he's written a mm-hmm. couple of books. The only ones here that I saw that had any kind of links to it was shade, which came out in 2005 and mistaken, which came out in 2011. But yeah, he hadn't really done a mm-hmm. whole lot um, really big other than the crying game and interview with the vampire. So, uh, but you know what? He did a great job of it. Uh, he took the script from Anne Rice and, you know, made it his own in a lot of ways and, you know, made a near perfect movie. I agree. I think, you know, I was watching some behind the scenes uh, footage on YouTube and um, I thought the visuals in this movie were really good. And I saw a couple of videos that kind of went into that. So, you know, he would pitch his ideas of like how he wanted certain scenes to look. And I think they still hold up pretty well, like on rewatch. So I like the visuals of the movie. I think the casting is really good. I think that's part of what makes the movie so strong and make me want to go back to it is just, I like everyone uh, and how they were cast in their roles. So I think, those things kind of give oh, us yeah, some no, definitely power. like the casting of it like the stat and louis just their dynamic of like stat being having control over louis and louis just struggling with not only with himself but with with the fact that he is a vampire now like he doesn't want to take life he he wants to die but he doesn't want to die at the same time uh so he did a great performance of mm-hmm. having that internal struggle um, and Lestat just kind of being very controlling but at the same time kind of playful was he did a good job of doing that and then Kristen Dunst she was the perfect she looked like a like a doll she looked like a like she a really doll. did she like cute <laughs> and playful but will not hesitate to drink her blood at the drop of a cat so uh <laughs> she was like perfectly creepy for this movie uh and then of course um Antonio Banderas as the vampire Adman uh just he was like sexy but scary at the same time Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Per- and, and perfect for vampires. The whole movie is like, it does have, uh, it is like a kind of essential movie. And all the main characters or, you know, the adult ones, they're all like, you know, the prettiest faces in Hollywood, pretty much. So 
Um, so yeah, it just, it just made a lot of sense for sure. So I was going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Brad Pitt. I'll, we'll just touch on a couple of the actors and then we'll kind of dive yeah. into the, the meat of the movie. Um, so Brad Pitt as Louie, um, you know, for me, it's, you could list so many things that Brad Pitt's been in, uh, 12 monkeys stands out for me. My favorites are 12 monkeys, snatch fight club and seven. Uh, also, you know, uh, Fury, The Big Short, Thelma and Louise. I mean, I could go on, but he's actually one of my favorite actors. I think probably after seeing him in Fight Club and 12 Monkeys specifically is when I kind of became a big fan of his work. Um, and I love the way he plays Louis in this movie. It's very like honest and real. And, and as you mentioned before, it's like the perfect balance to Lestat's personality being so aggressive and so big and just he's so subtle and just really struggling with his humanity and yeah i just oh, i yeah. just think it's oh, yeah. perfect he, casting. he played that role really well like i said a little bit ago and i think one thing that helped for him to be such a depressing character was the fact that he actually hated filming this film uh, <laughs> I, I did read that he yeah did an interview with entertainment weekly a couple of years ago that he was miserable the entire time making the film he didn't like the makeup they don't like the contacts and they filmed in the dark a lot because vampires don't like sunlight. Uh, so they had to yeah. film a lot of it this at night and in the dark and in closed areas. And uh, he called uh, his actually his friend and producer, David Geffen, and asked him, say, begged him, is there a way for me to get out of this film? And said, hey, it's going to cost $40 million for you to get out of this film. So. <laughs> uh so brad pitt toughed toughed it out uh and he but he good thing he did yeah but he did not hate it he did not enjoy being on this film also didn't like the fact that at that point tom cruise had more star power than him and he was not like tom cruise was being pampered more than brad pitt was even though i don't know that was a big <laughs> thing about it but uh he did mention it a little bit in the film like tom cruise was kind of like the top dog there which i mean top gun the color of money uh, whatever else he did in the, the mid to late, uh, at that point, it was also uh, a few good men. Risky, uh, risky business. business. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Tom Cruise had all these films under him and Brad Pitt was still kind of finding his way along the way. So, but yeah. No, well, I feel like that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. What, <laughs> didn't mean no, to yeah, but uh, that's why like Brad Pitt did not enjoy being on this film at all. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that does come through. There's definitely tension between those two characters. So I actually kind of love that. Um, I also heard when you were talking about how uncomfortable it was, it just, they, uh, to get all those veins on their face, they would have them like hang upside down and have like the blood rush to their face. And then the makeup artist would try to like draw the, the veins on them. Did you I, read that? I did. I did see that. Like, I cannot imagine. <laughs> I'm like, that's unnecessary. Like, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. Why don't you just like take a picture when they're upside down one time and you know where it's at instead of having to do it every right. time. Because it just adds <laughs> to the stress of the actors. I mean, they're already in dark and closed spaces. Now you're adding hanging upside down for minutes at a time so they can get those nice little veins popping out of their head. So I can. Yeah. That decision was silly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the makeup looked great. I mean, they, they looked, they it looked did. undead, but not dead at the same time. So mm -hmm. it was very, the makeup was, was great in this movie. It's one of my favorites because they look like porcelain people, porcelain, like they have porcelain skin because of, of, because they're vampires, but they look beautiful and you're attracted to them, which is, you know, what, what the point, what the point of a vampire is, you know, you want to be attracted. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, no, the makeup was great for it. Uh, but there are times where you get the nice close up of their faces and you see like the little blue 
uh, makeup on their face, and you can see like it's the veins. It's just oh, that looks that looks amazing. Yeah, no, completely. I I totally agree. Um, and leading into the person that Brad Pitt was least happy with, Tom Cruise as Lestat. Like I said, I think that's kind of perfect because he is like. I mean, he's like annoying in a way. <laughs> I mean, he's beautiful and he's uh, just got this really big, loud personality. It's actually, it's funny. You were mentioning earlier that it's so much like the book in terms of like the spirit of it. And I agree 100%. After reading the book, I was like, man, he really, Tom Cruise really is Lestat. And I feel like he's one of those characters, at least in this book, I loved to hate. But then as you read the novels, you start to like really care about him and I don't know. I felt like Tom Cruise played that that line really well, like just something about his personality where he could kind of be this super arrogant, larger than life guy. But you're still you still have like feelings for him. You know, you still empathize with him and, and everything. I felt like they they did a good job of that in this. Movie. Oh, yeah. And there's even a point in it during the movie that like Louis trying to find the answers of, you know, why they exist and all that. And uh, when you read the books, uh, Lestat goes through that same phase to say, I want, I need to know the answers of why we are who we are. And in the vampire Lestat, when you read that book, you realize that there are no answers. Like Lestat doesn't find any answers right off the bat. So by the time he meets Louis, he plays with him. It's like, Oh yeah, you know, I have the answers. And when there are no answers to be given, so he's just being that arrogant, <laughs> uh, loud mouth, playful, but yet powerful character. So no, he did a great job of it. Um, you, you just like, you love, you love to love him, but you love to hate him at the same time. Uh, and, you know, yeah. by also turning Claudia into a vampire, he, like, forced Louis to stick around because Louis was about to take off. And, and oh, Brad yeah. Like, I mean, Tom Cruise like, nope, I'm going to turn her into a vampire, and now you have to stick around because, you know, I'm not going to take care of her, so. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Kirsten Dunst uh, playing Claudia in this movie. Um, obviously, I think her probably her biggest role that a lot of people remember her from is Mary Jane in Spider-Man. Um, and I love her in Marie Antoinette and Melancholia and Midnight Special. I thought she did really good Don't in those movies. Um, oh, yeah. Jumanji. Came out, came out <laughs> I did forget. Right around the same time as this one. Oh, really? They okay. Like, they were within like yeah, a year I have... of each other, I believe. Oh, okay. Man, this is such an intense movie. Like the subject matter and the things that Kirsten Dunn's character has to go through and say. I've heard that like as as an adult, she doesn't recall a lot of the filming or didn't wasn't really in on, on the gravity of the situation, even though she had that really good performance. Have I, you heard I have that? not heard that. Uh, I mean, she was, she was 12 years old when she started doing the film. Yeah. Uh, and she actually had her first on-screen kiss with Brad Pitt in this film, even though there yeah. was an 18 year <laughs> difference of age right there. But uh, no, I had not heard that she doesn't really remember much of the film, but that's a little surprising, you know, cause I mean, at 12, you usually remember everything at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I think she just maybe like for her it's a blur, and she kind of didn't really understand like the characters' motivations that much yeah. at twelve, you know. But I don't know. That's just something I had heard. Um, well, uh, I have a couple more actors I want to cover, but let's go ahead and start going into some of your favorite scenes in the movie. We can go chronologically, or you can just pick a few favorite okay. scenes if you want, and then we'll kind of mention weave them in okay. as we talk about it. Uh, so in the beginning of the movie, one of my favorite scenes actually is 
uh, right after Lestat turns Louis into a vampire, uh, and Louis looks up at a statue of an angel of where his mom, his not his mom, uh, Louis looks up at a statue of an angel where his wife and kid are buried, and uh, the angel briefly comes to life it kind of looks at louis and then closes its eyes as in i can't look at you anymore because you're not you're now you're a vampire you are essentially a demon of sorts uh just that the quick two second scene right there just kind of creeps you out because you're like oh that's the statue is kind of moving and it's not supposed to so that's actually one of my beginning of the movie one of my favorite scenes to to actually watch yeah, no, I agree. And I don't remember if they explain it in the movie, but in the book, it's like vampires have different gifts. They kind of touch on it a little bit in the movie, but it's like they see things that we don't see and feel things we don't feel. And it's like because he was making that transition, he could see that in the statue. Yeah, I, Is I that think right? that's right because the, they do touch yeah. on it in the movie. There's a one point where uh, Lestat tells Louis, read her thoughts. And it Louis looks at him like, "Yeah, what? that's right." Like, Read her thoughts. I can't. Uh, well, we all possess different dark gifts, uh, so they touch a little bit on it, but they do go more into it in in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just interesting when you see other vampire stuff, and they have like kind of that similar idea, and it seems like they really got a lot of that from Anne Rice and how she yeah, portrayed vampires. Definitely. What's uh, one of your favorite scenes from the? From, I guess the first like 20, 30 minutes of the film. Well, I, I kind of like how it opens, you know, when, uh, when the, when he starts the interview and he displays his powers in front of Christian Slater. And I think what's kind of made that scene every time they kind of go back to where they're having the interview sort of nostalgic for me is the first time I went to new Orleans, I went there on like a business trip and there was a day that I had like a lot of free time and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? It's the middle of the day. And they there happened to be some little, I think, donkey-led carriages that gave like a 30, 40-minute yeah. tour. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. And they went right by the place where they filmed that scene and pointed it out. And that's always kind of stuck with me. And I was like, oh, I love that movie. Oh, that's so cool. There's that that scene right there, you know, so... It kind of just, it enhances, you know, how I feel about New Orleans. And so I kind of, that was one of those scenes that stuck out to me. Yeah. And just, it's cool. Now, you know, he shows him how he turns the light on and it, it, it shifts the tone yeah, of that the, interview the guy right away. Later, he's like, oh, you know, it's a vampire. You know, it's some some guy probably hopped up on something. But it's like, nope, it's an actual vampire. He gets scared shitless and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like uh, I've been down to New Orleans as well. And I know what you're talking about. I've been... I've walked by those those areas where they filmed, and then the first time I went, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is it! This is where, this is where the story takes place. Like, this is really cool." Uh, so I was very, mm-hmm. it's it's it is, it's different. Like you said, you know, you you appreciate New Orleans in a different sense of because you you're there where this movie took place. So, yeah, definitely. Well, do you have another um, favorite scene after that one? A little bit further down, uh, when. Louis and Lestat actually is right after uh, Lestat tells Louis to read the, the the woman's thoughts and he can't where they are. He Lestat walks away with like her like boy toy person and Louis is with with mm-hmm. her and her two two uh, poodles 
and they're walking and he's like i am old <laughs> enough to be your grandmother and they like start making out and the dogs are barking at louis and louis like not sure if he wants to like kill her or not so he ends up drinking the blood of the dogs <laughs> and the next thing is Lestat hearing the screams of the woman like, oh, my God, murderer, you killed my dogs. And he like rushes over and like snaps her neck and they have like a little fight. And it's it's awesome because the wire work is really, really good because like Louis lifts up Lestat and like rushes him across the field onto a tree. But the way it looks like it looks like he has superhuman, mm-hmm. superhuman powers and just slams him into the tree and Lestat yeah. just like losing his mind. He's like, <laughs> oh, Louis, you can't kill me. Like, you, what are you going to do? Keep feeding off rats and poodles? And uh, it's just so, it's just that that little scene right there. Is, you can tell where Brett, where Louis is fed up with Lestat. And that's the precursor to where Claudia comes into the picture. Oh, for sure. I, I I think maybe, you know, Louis was kind of convincing himself, okay, well, this woman's really old. So if I kill her, it wouldn't be as bad. But then he can't <laughs> go through with it. So he kills the dogs. And that leads to unintended consequences. I mean, something he didn't think of is like, well, obviously, if you kill someone's pets in front of them, they don't know, hey, I, I made a decision between you and the pet and nobody wants to lose their pets. So Lestat has to jump in. And, and you're right, they're kind of establishing in that scene that uh that louis can't just kill him um and it's kind of funny because he doesn't really try again pretty much at all like later claudia is the one to try it but it's like they 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 kind of make it make you feel like there's definitely like a power play there and he's not quite as strong and i think that's a good part of the movie because it it sets that and and they they talk a little bit about in the books like the vampires, they, they're not supposed to be able to kill their makers. Like whoever, whoever makes them is now can't kill yeah. them. Not, not, not permanently. Cause later as we find out, Claudia tries to do that to, to Lestat, like you said, but he ends up coming back. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I, I love all the rules in the, in the novels. It, I, I just, I don't know. I always like it when writers create all those different, like all that structure so that, you know, it kind of helps explain the plot. And the thing is like when the rules, especially when the, not only the rules, but also like the, the novels are so good, like they become the rules for all, for everything. Like, yeah. uh, you know, there were rules set with Dracula with Bram Stoker and then later on with Anne Rice and her books and, now people are like, no, 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 this is the rule. And it's like, well, why is it? Well, because it was in Anne Rice's and it was in Bram Stoker's and it was like this and that. So that's mm-hmm. the rule of the vampires. And like, you can't just, you know, they can't be in the sun and be shining. That's not a thing. Like, that's that's not <laughs> vampire rules. That's not an actual <laughs> vampire. So, uh, but yeah, no, when, you know, when the, when the novel is really good and it's extremely respected and those become the rules, which, which I love a lot yeah. about. Uh, about these absolutely about uh the vampire chronicles and again Bram Stoker's Dracula on that Dracula on that yeah and so you were kind of mentioning that this leads into the creation of Claudia um I I really like that about this movie I like the way that as we kind of said in the beginning it creates this like family because I think at the heart of the movie even though the vampires are evil 
uh, because they have to kill and they have to take the, the life of human beings. I mean, they're lonely. And that seems to be a theme in a lot of vampire stories, including Dracula. It's like the main motivation or the main thing, the main, uh, I guess, struggle that they have is just that they're going to spend eternity lonely and you would think the solution to that is well make another vampire uh that can hang out with you and be with you but there's complications there too and it's almost like i don't know it's it's ironic it's like you you make somebody in order for them to be close to you and they're even drawn to you and kind of want to be with you and they need you but eventually they want to leave i mean eternity is a long time yeah and so that always causes conflict and i just think that uh adding that third character really kind of highlights that conflict between lestat and louis oh yeah you know like louis i mean lestat at that point was you know it was obviously he was very lonely and whenever louis like trying to get out of it it's like oh well i'm gonna make you say so they create he created claudia which is actually one of my other favorite scenes of that film is yeah uh Louis is just trying to get away from from Lestat and he hears a crying girl which is Claudia and there Claudia is Claudia is in a house with her dead mother who was who has died from the plague and uh Louis at that point is very thirsty very hungry just very like just vulnerable and he decides to bite her because he just can't take it anymore and Lestat shows up and goes, ah, see, I knew you would break. I knew you would do it. And <laughs> Louis is like real upset about it. And Lestat picks up the dead mother and dances with her. And is like, ha, huh, there's life yet in the, there's life yet in this old woman. And Louis again runs off. He says, I can't believe I just took a life. And then next time we see Lestat and, and Claudia is like, Louis, like she's at the verge of death what do you want me to do? And, and they ends up, they end up turning her into a vampire. So, uh, but that, the whole, that whole like little 15, 20 minute scene right there with, from Louis finding Claudia up until she turns into a vampire. Uh, again, I mean, the whole movie is my favorite, but like that scene really, really <laughs> yeah. sticks out to me, especially whenever you see, cause she's all dirty and her hair is unkempt, but then that transformation when her teeth turn marble white and they grow into fangs and her hair hair curls and her skin becomes clean and and porcelain it's just like oh my gosh that is so awesome yeah and and like you kind of mentioned earlier she's very doll-like and that becomes a theme because she can't age you know she's you're stuck at whatever whatever age you're turned i think you become like a more beautiful version of yourself so you can lure in your prey but you don't she won't grow up so they lavish her with you know all these dresses and giving her whatever she wants and you know louis sort of treating her as a daughter uh lestat is treating her like a protege but they're also kind of treating her like a doll and you know she grows to kind of resent that yeah yeah and which leads to the 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 downfall of Lestat at first because uh, at one point Claudia asks sees a, a woman you know an a older woman and someone probably like in their twenties or thirties bathing and she's like I I want her and Lestat's like well go get her it's like no no I I meant I want to be her will I ever grow up and Lestat and Louis kind of look at each other like what what do we tell her <laughs> like what what do we say and they don't really give her an answer. Uh, until much later, and that kind of ends ends up being the downfall of a stat. Uh, I guess we'll go into the 
death of oh actually no we'll go about just Claudia and Louis and no Claudia and Lestat become very much almost the same person in a lot of ways because yeah she she is very lethal mm-hmm. she she becomes very a little careless uh but she gets what she wants and she has no remorse killing people and you know to stay alive to drink their blood and all that and in a lot of sense you kind of get that from Lestat. like he doesn't care he's just you know he wants to have a good life have fun and all that stuff and uh, but they become very, very lethal, and Louis is kind of the the docile one out of the three. And it's like, no, I want to kind of keep low profile, and they're like, no, we're gonna go and we're gonna play music for people, and we're gonna take out entire families all at once, and we're gonna do all this. Uh, and just that little sequence of of Louis explaining what Claudia is turning into uh, really moves the story forward and kind of seeing, okay, Louis kind of stuck between two less stats in a way. Yeah. It's like, what is he going to do? It's even worse now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's even worse for him. Yeah. And I think, you know, Claudia, she, her experience in life was pretty negative, right? I mean, she grew up during the plague and was losing a lot of people in her life, including her mother. I think that may play into why she's like angrier and and also just she's younger so she became a vampire at 12 whereas louis has all this personal experience as an adult to you know be around people and be a person longer i feel like that kind of you know makes him a little bit more sympathetic and then lestat i mean who knows he's just he just doesn't care i mean he's older too he's been a vampire way way longer than he's been a human so it's probably probably the longer you're a vampire the more you're able to make that separation you know but um and and claudia like at this point she's been a vampire way longer than a person as well because she's you know been around for 30 years at this point before she finds out she can't turn uh or can't get older um but yeah i I love all those little scenes like with uh, the piano teacher and (laughs) just (laughs) doll maker yeah the doll maker her dressmaker it was like she just can never hold back (laughs) <laughs> in the no, way that she, Lestat scolds her it's like kind of cute <laughs> yeah it's like oh, what did we tell you never inside the house <laughs> yeah now scoot him over and I'll, I'll teach you how to play piano so, yeah no, but yeah um yeah you know she's she's a child but she has a knowledge of you know like a 30 year old 32 year old woman at that point or whatever so so yeah which leads to again uh one of my other favorite scenes was the death of Lestat, or the what we thought was the death of Lestat. Yeah. Uh, uh, Claudia has two twin boys that are asleep, and at that point, uh, Lestat and Louis, I'm sorry, Lestat and Claudia had a fight, and just like here, here's my gift as an apology to you, and Lestat's like, so we're good. It's like, oh yeah. So he starts drinking from these boys, but they're actually dead. And one of the rules of a vampire is you cannot drink dead blood. And she's like, "Oh yeah, no, they're 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 nice and warm, but I gave them poison, which kept the blood warm. And so yeah, now you're you're dying. And let's uh, let's uh, screaming out to Louis like he needs to be in, he needs to get in his coffin so he can sleep it off. And she comes up behind him with a pair of scissors and slits his throat, and then just blood pours everywhere. And it's I love the image of like the blood going across the floorboard and mm-hmm. it, you see her her nice little silk point her little silk silk uh, pink shoes and she's like trying to scoot back and i'm just like 
I love that image of the of, of the what the blood is coming towards something that's beautiful. Yeah, and having to picked up and say, "Hey, Louis, I'm my shoes are about to be full of blood. Like, pick me up." And then throwing him into the the swamp, and uh, yeah, that that whole scene was just very very well done because it 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 looked like it was all practical effects. Like it didn't look mm-hmm. any of it was CGI, which which I absolutely loved. Yeah, I, I saw some behind the scenes where they said the very like last scene where he's like dying, it's like a robot. Did you see that? I just sent you the not. clip. Yeah, and they said like it's seamless, like you can't even tell that the transition's happening. But I do like this scene too. It's just, you know, the, a lot of the movie, we've seen a lot of death, right? But this scene is so violent. I mean, it really escalates, right? And it's yeah. just shocking because she's a little girl and we've seen her be really vicious, but this is where. I mean, she's doing something that, um, you know, Louis, as much as he hates Lestat, doesn't feel empowered to do, but she does it. And it's kind of like just desserts in a way because, you know, Lestat uh, was manipulating Louis by creating her. And also he was encouraging her to be so violent and then it, it backfires. And so I really like that about the scene. Um, and it's just, it's kind of surprising. Like when the first time I saw the movie, I kind of didn't see that scene coming. Um, another thing I was going to mention is that Lestat, uh, right before this happens, he, every joke, every interaction with her, he's so cruel. Like he's really pushing her buttons and not realizing how that's going to play out later. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, I love that about it, like when you when you rewatch it, you kind of see it like anyone would snap if they if they're like that to somebody, like if somebody was like that to me, like being mean all the time. Eventually, you know, you're gonna retaliate in some way, and of course, I mean, I wouldn't probably go as far as Claudia did, but um, <laughs> but you know, with Claudia, she's like, I'm a vampire, I'm gonna live forever. There's no consequences for me, so I'm just gonna go ahead and kill him. So, uh, but yeah, no, it was it was a nice little setup for that. Uh, like you yeah. said, so it was really, really good. And and then Louis like has to like set him on fire, and then they throw his body in the swamp, right? No, that comes out oh, a little does that bit come later? later. Yeah, when Lestat comes back to life, he's playing the piano, which is oh, midnight, that's right. Okay, yeah, I gotta hit myself. Which is Midnight Sonata, which is one of my favorite pieces of all time. Uh, but Louis, I mean Lestat's playing the piano, and then he. You see kind of like the the drape just kind of across his face where you could tell like he's like a little like still coming back to life. Like mm-hmm. his, his, he's not fully back in power, but you can kind of see it. He's still a little gaunt. And he's like, you know, I had to drink the blood of crocodiles and frogs. And Claudia, you've been a very naughty little girl. And then he like goes after <laughs> her. And then eventually he catches on fire and all this other stuff. But that that little scene right there also, you're just kind of like, oh, there were there are consequences both ways because his consequence was getting thrown in the swamp and being killed. And now her consequence is, hey, you can actually cannot kill your maker. So he's coming mm-hmm. back after you because he can kill you, but you can't kill him. So mm-hmm. uh, I I love that a lot about it. Yeah, and I think that part where he's like on fire, I think actually that may have been the part with the robot. I'm gonna have to look that up and after we're after we're done so I can show you. Um well, um, yeah, that's that's a really crazy scene. And I think you're right about the consequences thing. It seems like every part of the story leads to another consequence that kind of moves the plot along. 
And and the thing is, like with Louis, he doesn't really have any consequence if once we get to, once you watch the whole movie, it's like that's true. Louis doesn't really suffer any consequence except for like maybe one one small one. But uh, like as a vampire, he tries to keep it pretty clean. Uh, which will kind of get us get us to the next point is when they finally start traveling the world, um, which goes more into detail in the book. But you know, they hit, they go to Europe, they end up in Paris. And that's where they find more vampires because at this point they they were searching for other vampires because they're like no way unless that was the only one there's got to be more of us, and then they find uh, the the vampire troop led by Armand who's played by the amazing uh, Antonio Banderas. Uh, but when they were in Paris, they finally got to see the other vampires, and uh, Louis was a little. Uh, concern because they Armand gave them say hey you're not supposed to turn children into vampires like that's not a thing like Lestat broke the rules mm. uh, and Armand's like they're they're the vampires here they 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 answer to me they know they uh, follow my rule and you guys are not to be harmed which later find out it doesn't actually happen so <laughs> yeah but do you want to talk a little bit about when they get to Paris and what they see and all that Sure. Um, yeah. So the, the Paris scene, I think that's kind of cool. We're moving away from New Orleans. Understandably, uh, you know, Louis wants to get out of there <laughs> after what's happened in the swamp. And uh, and yeah, then it leads to meeting Armand and Santiago. I like the scene with Santiago when they when they meet him where he's dancing on the ceiling. Do you know what? The, kind of... Do you know what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, do you know what who the. Uh who the uh, influence was behind that little dance on the, I think, was it a uh, Fred Astaire? It was Fred Astaire from yeah. uh, okay. the Royal wedding from 1951. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a little blurb about that. Yeah. But I think that the little camera trick of, you know, being on the ceiling and then when he comes back down, it, it looks fairly smooth. And uh, the, the look on Louis's face is kind of the look we have on our face too, seeing that. So I liked it. Oh yeah, de- definitely. Yeah, and I love I love the casting of Antonio Banderas in this part as Armand. I really liked Armand in the book. Like I liked whenever he came up in the story. So it's just kind of cool. Like I, I I think it's great that they went with him, and uh, I think he plays the character like it, you mentioned earlier that he plays that um, sort of like sexy but dangerous, but you know all those things like, really yeah, well for you, Armand. You're attracted to him, but at the same time you're a little scared of him. At the same time, but you just mm-hmm. can't point out what it is and the fact that it's, it's it's he's he's a vampire so uh one of my favorite parts when they finally get to new orleans is when they go see the vampire show which is vampires pretending to be humans pretending to be vampires i yes i love all the all the acts and everything and like i i also like how at the, at the end of it the audience is leaving and they're like like horrified <laughs> they like can't get out of there fast enough that you can tell they're debating in their minds like was this real or what is happening and it's so offensive i'm getting out of here and yeah, I just love that part. It was it was beautifully done, and it's yeah, it, I just I loved it. So it was uh, just it was a little unsettling, just because you know what's going on, but you kind of seeing the audience's face is like gives you a little bit more unsettled. And then afterwards, Armand kind of gives them a tour of the catacombs where they all live. There at the bottom of the stage, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and and I like how when they're on stage and they have all that like theater stage makeup it's kind of like paying homage to how vampires have been portrayed over the years so it's kind of like a 
like you said before, it's a performance within a performance, like they say in the in the movie. Teatro de Vampires. That's the name of the of the true. <laughs> I, I just looked it up. I was like, what was the name of it? It's Teatro de Vampires. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, it was really cool, especially when you could, when they do that overhead shot when the the woman's there in the middle of the stage, and then mm-hmm. all the vampires are wearing those shiny cloaks, and they all kind of converge to it. it's kind of like darkness coming over life, just kind of ending mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah. Which, that visual of it just it was, it, it's it's awesome. It's it's uh it's very very gorgeous, very beautifully yeah. done. That was good cinematography on that part on that part. Um, I agree. So, uh, but yeah, now now we get to the point where they uh, the vampires kind of turn on Armand a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay, here it is. Because uh, it's been a hot minute. Uh, Santiago apparently reads Louis's mind and suspect that Louis Louis and Claudia murder Lestat. Now, another rule of the vampires is you're not like you said, you're not supposed to kill your own kind. Like you're not supposed to kill your maker. Yeah, vampire ever. Yeah. So, uh, they put Louis in a coffin and they seal him up in the wall. And then Claudia, who they ended up turning a woman into another vampire to be her new protector and companion, they get thrown into a tower with a big old hole in the top with bars. That way, they can get out. But uh, of course, they're there when the sun comes up, which leads to the death of Claudia and Madeline, who was supposed to be her new companion. Uh, and Armand comes out and rescues Louis out of the out of the coffin in the wall. And when he goes and sees Claudia, the who had turned into ash, because you know vampires can't be in in the sun; they they, they burn. So seeing less, that was the only consequence for me that Louis had was having been a unwilling accomplice to Claudia's murder of Lestat and having to see her as, as a pile of ash. Like she, she wasn't Claudia. Mm-hmm. She was a pile of ash. So that was really the only consequence for Louis, for me in this whole movie after he became a vampire was the consequence of losing the, in a lot of ways, the love of his life. Mm-hmm. They, no, yeah. They've been together like 30, 40, 50 years and, and now she's gone. So Yeah. Yeah. Even though she was evil and bloodthirsty, he still really cared for her. And uh yeah, I guess when uh whenever Santiago was reading their minds, he could just tell that Claudia was worse. And so, you know, uh they put Louis in that coffin. And I think Armand had a hand in making sure he didn't get burned to ash <laughs> probably but claudia was like you know they were like oh you're evil we're, we're done here um i think the visual of her turning to ash was really cool um when i was watching the behind the scenes uh, the director was saying he wanted it to look like how when a tree's on fire and it's completely burned up and it's sort of like ash but it's still in the shape of a tree for a little bit and if you were to go up and touch it it would crumble and so that's kind of what he went with and so the artists you know they made something first and you know they they showed like them taking pictures of the the two the girl and the woman like together and then how they built it and stuff and it was really a neat process it was a lot for like a pretty quick scene but i think it you know the visual of it is just pretty striking and it, it definitely pays off I, I don't um, know they went all the they went through all that. That's pretty cool. I need to, I need to yeah. and watch that. <laughs> yeah, it was like I was watching like a you know several part thing. So if I own the movie on like Blu-ray or a disc that has a bunch of features, I'll watch them. But I I didn't I couldn't find mine. I 
I guess, since I've moved, I've lost like a lot of my <laughs> DVDs. I they're somewhere in a box still, probably. But but yeah, I could not find it, so I went ahead and watched it. Um, right now, it's free on Netflix. So plug for that. Yeah, I did. I did see it the other day on Netflix, which is why I kind of like, oh, yeah. it was your interview since I just watched that yeah. like a week ago. But I do have it on Blu-ray, so I'll probably see if I have the uh, the special features on it because you know how every edition of the movie is always different. So. Uh, oh for sure but yeah uh, i'm gonna have to try to find those because i mean you keep talking about this behind the scenes stuff i'm like oh i didn't know that oh i didn't know that that was pretty cool so <laughs> it's always fun to watch those yeah but but yeah so I, I agree i think louis doesn't suffer a lot of consequences in the movie because or in the book uh either because he's good natured you know he's he's got a good heart and he's trying to do the right thing so even when he does mess up or do something wrong it's just not the same level of intent that Lestat and Claudia have so I kind of get why he doesn't suffer as many consequences I feel like he shouldn't <laughs> yeah no he was he was the nice vampire and it, I mean it does suck because after after uh um Claudia dies like Armand says come with me and you know we can stick together and Louis like no I'm gonna I'm going to go on my own. He he ends up being by himself for the rest of the decade until he comes back mm-hmm. to New Orleans and he finds a very gaunt Lestat uh, at an abandoned mansion. At this point, it's like the mid-80s or early 90s and um, colored, uh, what's it, not that colored pictures, uh, like movies have become a thing now and for the first time in like a millennia, he's, he's able to see the sun without running up because it's, mm-hmm. it's a movie it's not actual sunlight so to kind of him to for him to talk about seeing the sun for the first time in over 100 years just kind of kind of makes you really appreciate the fact that you can be out in the sun and see it every day so uh, oh for sure <laughs> it's a lot to give up uh but yeah no i it was very just the way uh, Anne Rice and the director wrote the script just really made you really connect not so much with like Louis I mean not so much with like Lestat and with Claudia but definitely with Louis because you're this is Louis's journey and the way they, they wrote him the way Brad Pitt p- performed uh, you just really really connect with him so you really feel from the entire time even things that you haven't felt before like not being able to see the sun for like a hundred years and you finally get to you like I kind of feel for you. Like I, I, I get, it. I don't know how, or I don't know why, but I, I, I get it. Like I, I can feel that because of, because of the performance, the way he, he talked about it. So. Um. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think like the loneliness too, you know, Lestat in that abandoned mansion as a recluse, it's like, you know, he went from hanging out with Lestat and having all this money and having all this stuff and just doing whatever he wants with no consequences. But eventually this is, I felt like it was a window into Louis's possible future. Like eventually you're going to wind up alone, you know? And cause that, that is what happens. And I think with Armand, you know, saying like, let's, let's travel together. Armand's like Lestat. I mean, he doesn't want to be alone. That's probably why he had that whole coven. And uh, I think, you know, Louis could tell, no, if I hang out with you, it's, it's going to be Lestat all over again. I can just tell. Um, And then, you know, then when he and Lestat connect again, he's like, I I can't do this. I'd, I'd rather be alone. And that's, that's pretty much the fate of, of a vampire. It's like eventually they cave and want to reach out to someone. And I think that's what leads to, to making people turning them, turning them to vampires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens at the end of the movie was after the interview, um, 
Christian Slater's like, I, I want to experience what you experience, like make me into a vampire. And I was like, no, that's the point I was trying to make is you don't want to be a vampire. It's a lonely, it's a lonely, miserable life. Like you don't want to do this. And the guy's like, no, I want to, I want to know what you felt. Like, I want to actually feel it. And um, at that point, Louis kind of snaps and kind of threatens the, uh, the interviewer and uh, takes off and, he gets in the car, uh, uh, Christian Slater does, gets in the car and is running off, you know, listening to, to the interview again. And Lestat comes out of nowhere and bites him and offers him the choice that he never had. Because in the book, Lestat was also a unwilling participant of becoming a vampire. Uh, when mm. you read the vampire, Lestat is like, he was kind of, he was forced into becoming a vampire, kind of like Louis was like, do you want to die or do you want to live? Because if you want to live, I can turn into a vampire right now kind of without giving a real choice of it so yeah the context of what that decision actually means i mean when you ask somebody when they're dying it's like not the same as asking someone when they're not yeah so it was really uh it was really well done and when you go back and the thing is like once you read the rest of the books like louis doesn't really pop up anymore like he's he's a main character yeah. in the first one and then he like pops up slightly i believe in the vampire armand but after that you really don't hear from louis and Malloy, the interviewer, he does end up becoming a vampire, and you kind of see a little bit of him uh, in the books, but not as much. Like the books, as they go on, is more about the stat than it is about any other vampire. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that's why I say, like, as you read the books, you start to like Lestat more. I mean, I guess no spoilers on those books, but you, you know, become more sympathetic towards him. Yeah, and like you see how he's a full person when you get all his backstory and stuff the way you do with Louis, it, it changes your perspective for sure. But yeah, I love that ending. I love the song. I love the way it happens. The fact that Malloy is like listening to the interview and he's just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, this is great. And then Lestat shows up and he says, I assume I need no introduction. <laughs> I love that. What was the name of the song? He said that a couple times in the movie, didn't he? Or uh i believe so i don't yeah so it was like he, he was repeating like a lot of the same like well you just heard me and you just heard about me and so it's, it's just kind of funny but also the song i don't i don't know it's like it's guns that pleased Ro- to meet guns you and Roses, yeah. uh sympathy for the devil that's right yeah and he's like i love this song uh, which <laughs> just... actually not the song but the score of the movie who was done by elliot goldenthal was actually nominated for an oscar or oh wow! Score. Also, believe it was makeup that it was also nominated for. Uh, That's great. Oscar. Let's see here, uh, best art direction, set decoration, and best original scores. But it was uh, uh, nominated for, but it lost out to the Madness of King George uh, for best art direction and set decoration, and it lost out to the Lion King for the best original score. Which I get, it's the Lion King. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but he did get uh, a nomination also for score of the Golden Globes, and Kirsten Dunst also got a nomination of the Golden Globes for Best Supporting Actress. So yeah, well earned. They got a yeah. couple of awards here, but I mean nothing big. I mean, but so I mean, score is a huge thing now uh, for movies because it, it, it oh, can make sure. a good movie. So uh, definitely, yeah, no, I, I love just I love the way this was done. So. Yeah, no, 100%. Well, that kind of leads us to our last couple of questions here. 
Um, what keeps you coming back to this movie? Why do you think you've seen it so many times? Uh, just the story of it. Just you can never get tired of it. Like I've seen it, I don't know how many times, but every time I always find something new that I like about it. Uh, the cinematography for it, the the acting of all the actors. Like it was just, it's very beautifully done. It's as perfect of a vampire movie or even a horror film as you can, you can get. Because uh, there's not too much blood, there's not like there's no r- real sexual overtones. Like there, there's some in there, but nothing like crude. Uh, and then there's also it's just you you sympathize a lot with Louis, and you kind of really connect with him. And it, you, when you just watch it, you just you get real entranced by by him. Right. Yeah. No. I I agree with you. I think what keeps me coming back to this movie is you know, a few things, but, but chief or the main one is that, uh, you know, Anne Rice wrote some incredible books, as you mentioned before, and she really, uh, had a huge impact on the genre. And I think this movie and Dracula, you know, I'm not like a big vampire fan. I, I, I don't claim to be, but these movies like can make you a vampire fan because it's so good. It's so well told. Um, and I think the best vampire stories stick with that really big human connection you know they don't over focus on just oh what are their gifts and what are their powers like they they stick with the the story you know of um they deal with the the things that you're supposed to deal with when it comes to vampires the the loneliness the you know the sexuality the all that all those things that are in this movie that keep it grounded and personal i think are what makes this movie stand out when you compare it to like you know your generic vampire flick yeah um so yeah and i agree i think the cast and this the movie in general it's just it's just good you know and so i've seen it several times i mean when you recommended it i was like oh yay like i'm gonna go watch that right now and i watched it pretty quick (laughs) after we talked about it so um and you know right now it's free on netflix as i said earlier so go do that if you guys have not (laughs) seen this movie i highly highly recommend watching this and like this movie, like now that I'm older, is like, ooh, I, I want to cosplay these characters. Like, I want to dress up like them. Oh run yeah, around. the costumes are awesome. Yeah, and I want to run. I want to run around the city, you know. And people wondering, like, is what what's going on? I'm like, I'm the vampire list that or whatever, <laughs> and just kind of have fun with <laughs> yeah, it. Because, awesome. like you said, the costumes in this are very, very gorgeous. So, um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you. I think you've already said your movie pitch. Unless you have another one, is there something you would say to someone that's never seen this before? Um, after you watch the movie, I highly recommend reading the book. It is different, but not too different. Uh, and you'll you'll enjoy it a lot. It's a uh, uh, just like the movie it is really well written. You'll you'll stay engaged. You'll want to turn that page. You'll you'll you won't be able to put it down. Like I finished that book in power like Agreed. like two days. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, binging on, on Netflix and Hulu, you'll binge the book. Yes. You'll binge all the books. Yeah, you'll, you'll binge all, <laughs> or at least three of them. You'll binge at least three of them. And there was a sequel to this movie. It was the uh, Vampire, the Queen of the Damned. Uh, but it yeah. was a very, it was, it took elements of, of that book and also books of, uh, also elements of the Vampire Lisette, but it did not, like even, even Anne Rice was like, that's not, that's, those are not my characters. Those are not who, what I imagined. So, uh, yeah, it felt more like, they they knew people really liked Anne Rice's novels and they thought they were cool, 
but they didn't really know why. Yeah, they- <laughs> Like that movie was okay. Like I still watched it and I still enjoyed it because I did really like the book and that made me actually go watch the movie. Um, and I think that, that was with Aaliyah, yeah, right? Yeah, that was with Aaliyah. I think she did a good job. Like I like the idea of it a lot. It's just the movie falls short of being a great movie, but enjoyable. I mean, but yeah, definitely not comparable to, to this movie in terms of like production and writing and yeah, yeah. no. If you're gonna watch this movie, don't watch Queen of the Well, I mean watch it if you really want to, but I don't <laughs> recommend it. Uh but the yeah. cool thing is now is uh Anne Rice has rights back to all her books, like she, she, they were mm-hmm. all out to the movie studios and all that. She has regained the movie rights and TV rights to her books. And Hulu Good. has, she's, I uh, believe she has sold them to Hulu. And Hulu is going to make a series uh, of the Vampire Chronicles. Oh, great. So we're going to, oh my gosh, it's so awesome. going to get, it's everything's still very, very early and, and everything, but, um, they're gonna they're gonna make a TV show on the Vampire Chronicles, so we're gonna see a new version of Interview, and we're gonna get a proper Lestat and a proper Queen of the Damned, and so on and so forth. So I'm very excited for that, because um, uh, I mean it's it's in Rise. She's gonna be more involved in it, so it's gonna be more of what she wanted. So I'm, I'm yeah. To see this. Oh, definitely. And I mean, Hulu has done some great work with, you know, Handmaiden's Tale. And I've been watching Castle Rock and really enjoying that. It's not a direct adaption of Stephen King, but it's his universe. And I've been really enjoying it. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. That'll be really yeah, cool. That's what my fiance um, said about Castle Rock. She like binge watched the first three episodes like six times. Oh, man. It's so, so I think that we watched the next three. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But she she's like. You need- yeah, I think it's up to episode five. And when I ran out, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, she was coming from like, yeah, you need to watch this like now. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, 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 I'll watch it. So. <laughs> yeah, you definitely should. She's, she's, she's right. Um, but yeah, I think. You know, for someone that hasn't seen this movie, if you have vampire fatigue, if you're tired, if Twilight was like awful to you and you are just like, man, I'm just not into vampires at all. I actually recommend this movie specifically. I think that, you know, go back to the basics, go back to the classics. This one's a classic. You know, see this, see Dracula. And and you'll see why people like vampires and what they see, the potential of what that genre can be. I think this is like the best of the best. Definitely. I mean. I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ricardo, thank you so much for coming on and making time to talk about this movie with me. This has been super fun. Um, I definitely hope you'll come oh, back. Definitely. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, I I enjoyed my time with you. Uh, I can't wait to do this again. Uh, definitely should do it again sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to think about your next movie. And before I let you go, was there? did you want to kind of wrap up and plug anything one more time? Uh, just make sure you catch me on SCNS Live Thursdays at 8 p.m. I'm usually on there. Uh, sometimes because of work, I'm not on the show, but uh, it's still a really great show. Uh, so come check us out. We're usually also out at cons taking pictures and doing interviews. So if you see us out there, say hi. And uh, we'll probably interview, take a picture, put you on our, on our Facebook page. And also come up to Alamo Draft House Richardson, where I work. And uh, we're always showing movies there. So especially with Halloween coming up, we should have some really good horror films uh, set up on along the way. So 
That's so awesome. That's that's actually my favorite location. I know. I actually, I actually <laughs> I go out there once. quite a bit. So I was like, I'm like oh. yeah. You were like, hey, I'm like, hey. <laughs> I was like, hey, well, I've seen you on Facebook, but we're, we, I've actually, I seen you at cons, but first I'm talking face to face. So hi. So yeah, that that was cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you you've helped helped me meet one of my goals. My goal was to get somebody from Alamo on the show. So I was really happy to have yeah, you on. One more people, sure. let me know. I can just point you to a few. Oh yeah, definitely. That's awesome because you guys you guys are the big you know movie buffs. You're the fans, and I think Alamo does a great job of you know hiring people that really know their stuff. So it's Thank awesome. You. All right, well thanks again, and uh, have too. a good Thank one. Thank you, Lisa. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. I had a great time discussing Interview with a Vampire. The Vampire, not a vampire. Uh, If you have any feedback on this episode or any others, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter under AYA Lisa Cosplay or on Instagram at AYA and as a Nancy AMI Lisa or in our closed Facebook group, I Love That Movie. Our group is closed, but just send a request and I'll add you. It's a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films, judgment-free. I've only got one rule, and it's keep it positive. So if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps get the word out, and it helps get more listeners in. And if you leave a positive review on iTunes, you will be entered to win a $20 gift card to movie theater chain of your choice. Uh, We're kind of sitting at 20 right now, guys. So if you guys bump it up, um, I'm trying to get to 30 and I will pull a name once I get there. We've already had one winner, so this would be actually the second winner. So please leave one if you feel like I deserve it. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you. And I want to give you a quick heads up. Uh, My episodes may be a little staggered from here on out because I'm going to dragon con and that's gonna (laughs) i'm gonna be on that trip for a little while so that's gonna it's gonna delay everything but just know that i'm excited and i can't wait to hear from you guys and there will be an episode soon so thank you so much 